0: Welcome to Soul Sessions with Creative Mind with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado of Creative Mind. Join us each week for an inspiring conversation about personal development based on Jungian philosophy, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Spend each week with us to explore deep topics in a practical way. Let's begin. Hello, welcome to another episode of soul sessions with creative mind. I'm your host, Deborah Burnt Maldonado, along with my partner in crime, Dr. Rob Maldonado. (laughs) Nice to be here. And we are continuing our series on mental health and how to raise awareness in mental health for children, women, men, and how we can change world to make it a mentally healthy place to be. Mm -hmm. But before we get started on today's topic, I'd like to remind you if you haven't already subscribe to our channel. If you're listening to us on YouTube, just click the little button in the corner. And if you are listening to us on one of the podcast services, don't forget to subscribe. And if you're called to leave us an honest review, we'd love to hear from you. So today's topic, Rob is empowering women in mental health. Now that's I like that title, because I think people need well, especially women, but everyone needs to be empowered about their mental health, not disempowered and labeled and, and seen as broken. But how do we build uh, this structure for people to get better services and, and actually feel more resilient and feel like they can change that there's a way out, and they're not trapped in in a label.
1: Yeah, this this question often comes up with our students. Mm. They ask, uh, how do I know when therapy is appropriate for someone, and when they're good uh, candidates for coaching? Mm. And there there are no uh, clear cut answers to that. It's a gray area. But in general, we, we want to treat clients uh, as adults that they can make their own decision, of course, providing that they have the information. Mm -hmm. So given the right information, uh, and and this goes back, of course, to us training our coaches properly, so that they are able to explain what is the difference between therapy and coaching. And, you know, what is the kind of what are the pros and cons of each one,
0: and the protocols to decide which Yes. So let's just touch on that really quickly. The difference in a nutshell, between therapy and coaching is that therapy is a medical model. It's designed in that that industry to look at a dysfunction in the mind illness. And the goal of therapy is really to get them from that dysfunction to typical functioning. Now we all know no one is normal, so when I use the word normal, but typical functioning, where they're able to live their life, get to you know their their life, uh, cope with life, get to work, pay their own bills, uh, relationships, yeah, have relationships, uh basically have a typical life. Now coaching does not meet the client in that dysfunction. Coaching meets the client assuming they're at typical functioning already, they're high functioning, and they're actually helping them reach their potential. So when someone's below the line of functioning, you can't tell them change your life and, you know, reach your goals and and think positive, they're, they're still not at that level. So we need to bring them up. And so that's the benefit and the gift of therapy, because they work with clinical depression, PTSD, um, uh, disorders, bipolar, and really helping with those serious um, diagnoses that happen in, mm-hmm. um, in mental health. But for coaching, uh, we have our own market, which is the high functioning people that are ready to now create with their life, because you can't yeah. go from the deficit to uh, rocket ship overnight, we, there needs to be a stage. Now, now there are people that actually go to therapy for years, and they get to that typical maybe they had a tough experience in their life, maybe they had PTSD from war or an event, they get to that typical functioning, then they have the coach and the coach can take it from there. So it's just an easy way to think about it is one's potential base and one is more diagnosis and treatment and one is called a patient with a therapist and the coach calls their clients clients, not patients, outside of the medical model.
1: (laughs) Yes, and and of course there are gray areas because Mm -hmm. there's overlap Mm in the those categories. But yeah, that's the general consensus. And, and the, the best way to approach again, is to give the client the info, the as much information as they need to make a, uh, an informed decision. For now, there's
0: also therapists that actually do feel like they do more coaching because they have high functioning clients. So there it, it is that gray area that it's not just the therapist only does therapy. Uh, there are therapists that are work with a different population. But the reason why we're bringing this up for mental health, which I found not surprising, is that mm-hmm. the prevalence of, and I don't know if it's because people admit it, but the in women is much higher than men, not from a, um, more from a, the people that seek treatment. Uh, women are more likely to seek treatment than men. Uh, more likely to read self help books. And when I had my book published, they said women, 96% of uh, the population uh, that read self help books are women, which is interesting enough. So uh, the mental health field does focus a lot on women. But there were some uh, interesting things as well that came up when we were doing the research.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So where do we begin? Let's start with the risk factors for mental health problems in women. So one of the biggest risk factor is that women earn less than men. Women who are full time workers earn about one fourth less than their male counterparts in a given year. Mm. That puts them at uh, a disadvantage, right? It causes stress. And it's it's unfair. Uh, that unfairness itself is kind of stressful.
0: It's a, they have to work twice as hard to get half of the pay. Yes. And and compete, and then also when it comes to child childbearing, and they have to the maternity leave, and and they lose out sometimes on promotions, and because they have all those extra responsibilities, uh, they become a mom, and their their you know uh, attention is split.
1: Uh, the poverty rate for women ages eighteen to sixty four is fourteen point two percent, compared to ten. Point five percent for men. Wow. So women, uh, they're more likely to live in poverty than men
0: and stress about money. Yes. And then uh, one in three women have experienced sexual violence, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime one in three. That is pretty huge. Um, so you're around the room with a group of friends, and one of if there's more than three, at least one of you has had that and I know, from just working with people over these past 20 years, it's so prevalent, I was so shocked, uh, of, of how much um, it was affecting women. And that also, it creates trauma, like traumatizing situations, it makes them feel less than and they blame themselves and, feel Mm -hmm. the stress and anxiety, panic, all those things from those experiences. And you know what's interesting, Rob? A lot of the people I've worked with tell me that I'm the first person they told about it. They don't tell people. They don't get treatment about it. They kind of push it under the rug, and they don't really address the issue.
1: That's right. And then an estimated 65% of caregivers are women. Mm. These are people that are taking care of elderly uh, parents or other family members,
0: as well as their own children,
1: uh, family caregivers may spend as much as fifty percent more time providing care than male caregivers.
0: Yeah, you see that with families, the siblings, the yeah. the woman oftentimes is the the oldest sister is the one who ends up being the caretaker. And and my, uh, I worked with a lot of single women. And a lot of them the single woman, the single sibling, was the one who had to take care because the other siblings were like, well, we have a family and we have kids and you're single. So you don't have any responsibility, even though you're the CEO of some financial company, and you work 60 hours a week, but no, 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 you don't have children. So you don't know what stress is, And so a lot of them would say there it's left on their hands uh, to take care of the parent after work. And, and that can cause a lot of stress too, because you don't want to say no, because you, you care about them. And, and yeah. as women, we are caregivers, we that's a natural for us. So, so a lot of that caregiving becomes, um, we put ourselves last. And that yeah. creates also stress and anxiety, and sometimes depression.
1: Yeah, and then these factors uh, have this cumulative effect. So that if you have one, uh, uh, or more of these stressors, uh, it piles on Mm. that stress, and Mm. then you're more likely to fall into depression, anxiety, other kind of mental health Mm. uh, problems. So that's one factor. And then gender differences in seeking and receiving mental health services. There's some interesting data here. Uh, Women are more likely to be prescribed psychotropic medications than men.
0: Wow, why would do you think that would be? Rob? The doctor? You've been around psychiatrists?
1: Yes. Um, they're, like most of these uh, phenomena, they have uh, what's called a multifactorial uh, cause. In other words, there's more than one cause mm-hmm. that's uh, creating this situation. But in general, I think women are more open to ta- talking to their primary care physician mm. and saying, you know what, feeling anxious and feeling depressed? do you have? Or can you prescribe any medication for this? Mm. And you know, because they're busy, like you like we were seeing right there, they're taking care of kids they are taking care of uh, parents, uh, they're working at the same time. Medication is just a kind of a, a simple solution.
0: And they asked um, women the three things that have helped them with uh, if the the women with depression and anxiety, and 60% said medication helped them was the number one thing. Uh, And 40 little under 40% said therapy. And then the third one is family and friends. So just having a good Mm -hmm. relationship has helped. But I find it interesting that they all were just prescribed medication. And I'm not saying right or wrong, but it just seems that there are other natural ways to to deal with it that can be healthier uh, than medication. Yes. Do you feel like that it's over prescribed in some ways to people?
1: I think it's both it's over prescribed and under prescribed, mm. which is weird, right? But what, what I mean by that is this that uh, uh, some doctors are kind of prescribing or over prescribing psychotropic medications like antidepressants, right? They give it to anybody who's, let's say, having a little bit of trouble, Mm. uh, or maybe they had a loss in their family. And here, take, uh, take some, uh, or stress at work. Yeah. 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 And then there's others that uh, aren't educated in mental health services or medications. And so they never prescribe uh, medications when uh, p- their patients might need
0: it well some people instead of taking medication will uh, use wine or drug other uh, street drugs to well, marijuana or something to treat the depression or food uh, and yeah. they, they they don't know almost like they don't want the stigma of the medication so they find other ways and it's still not uh, it's still causing problems in their life
1: yes and, and it's also controversial still mm. there there's a of some contradictory data as as far as uh, are these uh, psychotropic drugs doing what they report to do?
0: And what are the long term effects and the side effects from them? They we don't know yet. Someone, uh, you know, 20 years or 30 years from now, will know what these we these impact are, Uh,
1: women are more likely to seek help from uh, or and disclose mental health problems to their primary care physicians, men are more likely to seek out a mental health specialist, or men are less likely. Mm -hmm. No.
0: Women are more likely to seek out a mental health specialist than to ask for help and ask for help. Yeah. And they're less likely, women are less likely than men to disclose problems with alcohol use. Uh, with their healthcare provider. So yeah. women are more ashamed of that, where a guy would say, Yeah, I've been drinking a lot, and maybe I want to cut back, where women, are, it's almost like shameful for a woman, maybe it's just a different social stigma, again, and then women are reluctant to disclose history of violent victimization unless a physician asks. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what I experienced. They told me like, you're the first person I told. Um, and they didn't come to they came to me to lose weight. They didn't ever quit smoking. I was a hypnotherapist. They didn't come to me to talk about deep issues. And it would just be like confessional. And uh, I was like, wow, you held this in your whole life in your in your 50s. And you never told another soul about this. And so th- that all that causes a lot of um, like, like, you're not even addressing it. And so it, it, it has an effect on your mental health. Absolutely. Anxiety and mood swings and working with your emotions and suppressing emotions and all that. Are you looking for a satisfying career as a life coach? If you are seeking a deeper path of training and growth, Creative Mind University offers an ICF accredited life coach training program that goes beyond surface positive thinking and into a powerful process of real transformation. You can start your new career as a certified life coach trained in a unique methodology based on Jungian theory, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Get the tools to become your true self, change your life and the lives of others. Visit creativemindlife.com, click on apply and speak with one of our team members today to discuss your future and possibilities of becoming a certified life coach That's creativemindlife.com.
1: This is is an interesting one. Mm. So physicians are more likely to diagnose depression in women compared with men, even when both genders have identical symptoms or similar scores on standardized measures of depression.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: now you know it's hard to say but again there are unconscious biases in the way we interact with each other and the Mm -hmm. way we uh, relate to men and to women it's just part of the culture right Mm -hmm. it's it's ingrained in the in the culture the way we think about men and women's needs is different
0: so uh, imagining a man depressed just is like a Blind concept for a lot, and are a lot of physicians, men too. Uh, wouldn't you say? Well, I know it's changing now, yes, but, it's there's, changing. but
1: but but even even that, uh, the, the, let's say the cultural norms are absorbed by both men and women. Mm. So that even if if a physician is a woman, uh, she might still over prescribe for women and under prescribe for men.
0: So really, truly, like women are seeking more mental health treatment, whether it's going to a shaman, or a healer, or going to a therapist, or going to their doctor, going to their friends, they're more likely to do that. But there's a, also a huge um, population of women that are hiding in their suffering, they they they, they are maybe caregivers, and, and they don't have time to look at themselves and what's going on with themselves. Yeah. I mean, we all have had, you hear stories of family members you're like, why is that person so cruel or so uh, emotionally uh, unbalanced and uh, they never went to a therapist and they have issues that they haven't worked with. And so there's a huge need to almost normalize that it's we all have problems, we all have emotional challenges, we all have stress, and it's okay to talk about it even.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, We'll we'll be talking about stigma on our next episode. But uh... It's definitely a big part of the problem mm. that uh, this this these kind of mental health issues are not openly discussed. They're not taught in schools. They're not taught in uh, work settings, right when they should be a part of the conversation, just like physical illnesses, mm. right? If somebody uh, has diabetes or breaks a leg or has anything physical uh, going on there's accommodations for them right Mm -hmm. there. There's respect for that. Because yeah, we understand you need assistance, you need Mm -hmm. help. Um, Mental, the mind because it's invisible, is often ignored. It's not seen. But behind the scenes, there's all of these issues going on.
0: Well, and also we just watched on Apple TV, uh, Selena Gomez. She talked mm-hmm. about her bipolar diagnosis, and I thought that was brilliant to raise awareness of mental. Health. I know Oprah has a series on mental illness to uh, mental health. And um, it's just I think it's really important for us to talk about it openly, not put a stigma on it. And uh, it was just very moving to watch Selena. She says she's reached every goal she's ever had. She's wildly successful, beautiful. And she she has these like mood swings and, and, and these challenges mm-hmm. of her inner world. And just because on the outside, someone's famous and rich and feels like they have it all together. And, and that's actually something to look for, too, is the people around you, you may think, well, they have it together, they don't have any problem. But there's these subtle signs that maybe they're not so happy. And uh, how do we how do we open up those conversations, especially friends, or people that we care about family members, and really check in with them to see what's going on. Um, So and, and again, the barriers to mental health Uh, are the reasons why people aren't getting the help or even understanding it. So let's turn these around. Let's
1: let's talk about uh, solutions that we can start to implement as a culture Mm -hmm. as uh, societies on Earth. Yeah. Um, So we know there are economic barriers, for example, lack of insurance and cost to some of these treatments. How can we bring down the cost? how can we help? Or insist that insurance companies cover a lot of these services, Mm -hmm. so that people can get those services right. Um, In, in a lot of countries in a lot, especially developed countries. No one is out in the street because they have mental health issues Mm. only in the US only in the US. It's the only developed country where you see people with mental health issues living on on the street. That's, that's ridiculous. There's no need for that. But it's, it's because people tolerate it, right? It's Mm -hmm. because we never say, Hey, what's going on here? Let's, let's do something about this. Let's insist that, you know, these people are cared for properly.
0: Well, if you think about not only just the homeless, but um, the the inner cities and the gangs and the gang violence, and those communities are traumatized by the every day, these little kids are around these violent, violent experiences. And uh, we need to bring that in schools and education uh, for the young ones, too. And then the parents who lose their children, like where we should have services to help those, uh, those people in those tough situations, uh, to have access to these, uh, this, all the wonderful uh, uh, information that we have and ways we can treat people for uh Trauma and depression and all that. Yes, but even um, I mean that's where I, I feel like coaching could come in too. We should really uh, push to have coaching. I think some insurance companies are doing this now. Wellness coaches are are now uh, being covered by insurance more and more because the hospitals and the doctors and the treatment centers are seeing that a health coach can be that inter- intermediary between a physician giving orders, you know, helping the, the, the client, but then the the mental health of the client, the well being of the client is not taken care of in between those visits and wellness is, is such a huge part. And so coaching in between having people feel inspired, help be able to work with their emotions, be able to ask for what they want, keep boundaries, all those things can reduce stress, even practicing breath work, mindfulness, meditation, um, all those, um, easy, no cost ways to, to help a person, you know, work with those issues.
1: Yeah, certainly, uh, coaching can play a big role in prevention, right Mm -hmm. in helping people uh, improve their lifestyles, Mm -hmm. and not get to those critical points of Mm -hmm. uh, needing mental health services. Uh, Increasing awareness about mental health issues, treatment options, and available services. Yeah, that's, uh, that's part of the work that we're doing. Simply having a conversation and providing information so that people can use it. So that, uh, that people can learn to talk about it and feel more comfortable talking about these things. And, uh, and hopefully they can uh, find those resources that they need.
0: So what would you recommend, let's say you knew a family member needed, you know, was depressed or uh, anxious and and they weren't seeking treatment uh, or so a good friend. Uh, what would you recommend the first step for them to do as as a layperson to raise awareness and and encourage them to get help? Would it be to look for a therapist or would it be to look for a coach or do, just do you need to talk to someone?
1: Yeah, a good place to start is with your family physician, mm-hmm. right? Just asking them. Uh, what do you recommend? Mm. Right? And, and they know you better than most uh, other professionals. And so they're able to guide you and say, uh, here's a referral to a clinical psychologist, the psychiatrist, Uh, Maybe even just a counselor, or or maybe even a coach, like you were saying, somebody who can help you change your lifestyle, if those issues are important.
0: Well, another thing, too, is what I've seen for myself, I'm I'm open book, I share my own personal development journey with my friends and my family, Mm. and inspire them to read this book, or you know, I went to this workshop, or I um, hired this coach, and it's been really helpful for me, or I looked at this this way. And I think just being that person that uh, your journey, sharing that and being transparent about it versus hiding it thinking and no one's going to understand, by you opening up and sharing your journey, you're going to inspire the people around you to also uh, get help as well.
1: Reducing the stigma associated with mental illness. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. But we need to, again, with these conversations, the more open as a society we are about that, uh, the less stigma there will be. And stigma is just this false idea, right, that you're weak, you're broken, there's something wrong with you, you're crazy, if you seek assistance, yeah,
0: you don't have your mind together. And yeah. And then the last one is, um, well, there's two, uh, the lack of time related support, take time off work. Uh, people like I'm too busy, I'm too busy. They're just in that cycle of go, go, go. And they don't have time to even read a book or to uh, sit with themselves or meditate or reach out for help because it's just life gets too busy.
1: Right. So it would be uh, insisting or and again, uh, kind of uh, putting
0: your mouth to first, like putting yourself first.
1: <laughs> well, when when people come together, incredible things happen. Mm. And it's remarkable how a small group of people can change society. Mm. And so it's really about getting together with like minded people, and saying, here's a possible solution to these problems. Why don't we give women maternity leave? Why don't we help them uh, have time off? Uh, You know, instead of uh, stressing people out. Hmm. Let's create environments where people can take time out. And if they're stressed, they can go into a relaxation room.
0: Yeah, Uh, or even a corporate uh, wellness programs, helping them get coaches. And uh, that's actually popping up more and more, where people are able to the companies are helping their, their employees, and so pushing more uh, of those benefits to people.
1: Uh, yeah, give uh, moms uh, child care, uh, help them with child care services, uh, transportation, those kind of very simple things. Yeah, how do you even drive available? to the
0: therapist or doctor if you need to, like providing ways for people to yes. you know, get to the help they need or getting to the support group they need. Um, and then the last one is um, lack of appropriate intervention strategies, including integration of mental health and primary care services, so the primary care services isn't really like married into the men, a mental health system as as yeah. integrated as it could be.
1: Yeah, I have seen some clinics that are starting to do that, and mm-hmm. some doctors' groups that mm-hmm. that start to kind of incorporate mental health services along with uh, in their practices. So the again, the solutions are there; it's simply implementing them, mm-hmm. kind of making them. Uh, accessible to people.
0: So making uh, it more uh, available, making people understand more about mental health, personal growth, psychology. Um, And then also, I think the main thing, the stigma is that we're not broken. We all have had tough knocks in life. Not every single person doesn't come. There's not one person who uh, is on this planet that did not have some tough experience in life, and many had multiple. And no one teaches us how to do that. No one teaches us how to deal with it. It's except our parents, and they're coping with it as their parents dealt with it and their parents dealt with it. And for many, like 100 years ago, it was mental health wasn't even something discussed. It was only for those people, they lock up in the institutions. It's, you know, everyone else's this idea of normal. Um, Carl Jung says that to aspire to be normal is, a, is a <laughs> insanity or something. Because he doesn't think he's never met a normal person, he said, because we all have a unique set of challenges and problems. And why can't we normalize it versus make it um, that there's a subset of society that's damaged that needs, you know, say, to be handled with kit gloves. Uh, we're all so resilient and yeah. uh, have the potential for change. Yeah, I think it,
1: it, I mean, it's a complex issue, obviously, but uh, it it plays on both sides. Mm. What I saw when I started my career in psychology was that the mental health hospitals, right, the these huge institutions that housed a lot of patients, and where most of them were heavily medicated, uh, as new developments in in, uh, pharmaceuticals came about, they were able to leave those hospitals, they were mm. able to go off into the community, and try to live normal lives or, or you know, semi normal. Um, so medication is not bad. It, you know, it, it gave people a lot of opportunity to leave those institutions.
0: And if someone's clinically depressed, medication can really help them from going deeper into it and give them a little lift. You know, so it's not we're not anti medication, but it's just that we we there are other ways and other ways to prevent you going down a darker path because the mind is resilient. So it can go deeper, or it can rise above it has that resilient factor.
1: Yes. On the other hand, the medical model kind of took over the mental health field to where now the mind was pathologized. Mm. Everything was about. You know you got some kind of trauma you got some kind of disorder if you're sad you mu- you must need medication you're depressed so you know it's it's finding that balance not everything in life is pathology like you were saying mm-hmm. we all face challenges and we all have some hard knocks it's just part of life uh, i think that's where coaching can come in mm-hmm. it can act as a, a buffer a mm-hmm. barrier to help people kind of deal with the everyday issues and stresses of life, in a more preventative way, hmm. instead of pathologizing and going straight to diagnosis and medication. Yeah, why don't we help everyone be the best they can be and have that support system?
0: Well, in our previous episode, we talked about the gifted children, and then the troubled children and how the teacher missed uh, assumed the, the gifted children were troubled, and then they, their scores went down. It's the same thing with mental health, if you're projecting onto people that, oh, you're depressed, so you must be weaker, you must have less potential, you are broken in some way, or you had this trauma happen to you, so you must be broken, and you have a limitation to a normal functioning life, that that kind of projection, can be very limiting for someone, but we want to see people as becoming always that even if they've had the toughest of life, to see them becoming, you know, it reminds me of this story a couple, probably like five years ago, when um, the girls from the school of uh, the book Haran uh, in Africa, they, uh, you know, uh, captured the girls and, and, you know, abused them and uh, the army kept them for a while, and they finally gave them back. The woman, the, the matriarch, uh, got on TV, and she was like, these girls are not broken she said it like so clear she said they are resilient they're smart and nothing that happened to them is going to define them for the rest of their life and I thought that was so brilliant because yes they do need care they do need attention they do need support uh, maybe more than some people but it doesn't mean that they're always going to be operating from that because of that past experience and I think in mental health I think sometimes it it's kind of like your' your stigma or you're labeled with this, thing that happened. And you're always that survivor of that thing. And um, something that you always have to carry within you in your mind that this is a label as a part of yourself. And, you know, we teach in Eastern philosophy that your true self can never be harmed, can never be damaged. And when you're working with the personality, you're only working on the ego level. And all these things that happen to us in our life, and our limitations and our setbacks and these events that may be traumatizing only happened on the eco level, on the deep level, there's, there's this pure potential that's within all of us. And we all have that same potential. And I think if we could speak to mental health in that way, a lot of uh, especially women who who, uh, look for mental health services more than men, uh, they will be the, you know, see the changes, they will feel more resilience, they will see more transformation in their life coming from that place instead of coming from a deficit.
1: Yeah, I know some people have asked us is, is your work an alternative to therapy? And uh, that's a tough one to answer. I mean, again, there are times and situations where therapy is appropriate, and the, the right way to go. Uh, but for for many people, many, many people, uh, I, and I would say the majority of people, uh, they're not really damaged, they're not really traumatized. Uh, the, the, the problem is that the, the only language they have to talk about their issues is the language of trauma, of PTSD, mm. of depression, of anxiety, and therefore they they kind of use that language and that that those labels to speak of their emotional life mm. that way. And like that's
0: even saying I am depressed. Like you're identifying yeah. with the depression as something of who you are, versus I'm experiencing this state they call a depression, but that's not who I am. I'm just having the state right now, and uh, and then it's not a permanent label.
1: So yeah, so ultimately we are developing, uh, I would say, a coaching model that in the future and as we develop it and as we educate people in it could serve as an alternative to psychotherapy, mm-hmm. and to medication as well. It would be it, to begin with, it would be more of a preventative type of measure that would mm-hmm. ha- give like you would saying, like you were saying, people that are already high functioning, it would give them a way to even go higher to Where optimal function. they don't
0: fall when they lose their job, or they lose a mate, or they can't find a partner, they're not like sinking down into like more serious anxiety, depression, uh, and hiding, um, and exacerbating the subtle, maybe it was like a seed. And now it's grown into this big, heavy emotional uh, challenge, it can not they feel like there's it's taken over them.
1: Yes. Uh, And then uh, also work in collaboration with psychotherapy, perhaps to uh, to augment the power that the, the client is receiving from psychotherapy, in the social setting, because mm-hmm. often therapy is uh, confined to the office, mm-hmm. to the mental health office, right, or to the clinic. And, and patients don't live in a the clinic, mm-hmm. they live in the in the world, right in the in, in the real world, and where they have to face these challenges on an everyday basis. And coaches could certainly serve in that function as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, it requires training uh, in, in both areas, right to understanding the mind, uh, what are the challenges of the client? And how can coaching serve in those environments? Yes,
0: yeah, so uh, filling the gap in where uh, people aren't like when I was single and struggling and doing my self help, books and workshops, I didn't think to go to a therapist, I uh, went to like healers. And if I had known there were coaches, I think it would have been such a different change for me, I think I would have moved faster, because I, I needed someone to help me, like think about my life, think about my emotions, ask me the right questions, instead of me trying to self treat, and manage my own emotional life and not understand and trying to read these books on psychology, and trying to apply it on myself, which is what a lot of people do, that you can get help. And even if you don't have a one to one coach, there's a lot of group programs that are highly affordable that you can at least have access to a coach and a group that uh, that will help you get out of the funk that you're in or help you reach your potential. So, the next episode, we're going to now we talked about women, we're going to talk Mm -hmm. about men and really what stops men from getting the help they need and how we can change that in the world.
1: Yes, because believe it or not, men have a mind as well. (laughs) And we have emotions also. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll be talking about that next time.
0: All right, well, take care, everyone. Hope you have a great week. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Creative Mind Soul Sessions and join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Sessions. See you next time.